Hello, ladies and gents. Baggies broadcast time, season three, episode thirty-one. And I tell you what, football is well and truly back. And I'm joined by a man almost as excited as me, uh, Mr. Joe Massey. Joe, how are you feeling on this week, which is going to be? I tell you, what, it's going to be special come Saturday, isn't it? Are you questioning my excitement, Luke Hatfield? I'm just saying you're not as excited as me. How dare you? How dare you? Um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I am mega excited. I am definitely more excited than you. It has been three months where every day I've had to write two Albion stories um, without any actual football to report on. So I, I tell you, having actual football to write about in the next 33 days, whatever it's going to be, is an absolute massive relief. So um, I'm very, very, very excited. Um, can't wait, mate. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I can't wait for the Villa game tonight. I really, really cannot wait for it. I knew you were a Villa fan at heart. Oh, mate, don't be ridiculous. Um, but I can't wait for it. I just can't. To be honest, I'd have watched anyone. I mean, I, start, I mean, not Wolves, but I would have watched anyone else. <laughs> um, and then oh, I can't even put into words what it means, really, to be going to the Hawthorns on Saturday. I don't mean to sound boastful, because I know everyone listening to this would love to be in my shoes and would love to be going as well. Me um, included. You included, yeah. You're, um, unfortunately, you're not allowed in, are you? No. Um, but, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but I'm going. And I absolutely cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait. I can't wait to drive to the ground. I can't wait to park my car. I can't wait to walk into Hawthorns. I can't wait to take my seat. I just can't wait to be there. I genuinely, genuinely cannot wait to be there. Um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be so weird about fans there. Um, I... I used to get so bored covering Checker Trade Trophy games um, for mm-hmm. Walsall. And I do get a bit bored uh, with pre-season friendlies, if I'm honest. Um, but I do not think I'm going to get bored this Saturday. I think even though, I don't know, the atmosphere is going to be very, very strange. But it's just going to be, I just, I just think I'm just going to be grateful. I'm just going to be happy to be there, I really am. My jealousy knows no bounds, Mr. Massey. I tell you what, though, you're right. Um, it's nice not to have to come up with any fancy segments any like bright ideas for this podcast we can just literally get to the meat and bones just talk about football and i'll tell you what next week's going to be even better because we're actually going to be like talking about a game that's happened on the weekend like i know this one's a big preview and obviously we're going into the 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 game on the game on the weekend but actually discussing a game with you um even though i'm gonna have to watch it on tv and you'll be there you know breathing it all in um i'll tell you what i can't wait it's gonna Absolutely amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I never saw this coming. If you'd asked me a month and a half ago if we're just in football again, this season anyway, I'd have, I'd have given you a big fat no. But I tell you what, I'm so excited now. Well, I basically did a whole podcast on why I thought it wasn't coming back. I thought all signs suggested there was going to be that EFL vote um, on the championship. And in, in the end, there wasn't one on the championship. It was just League 1 and League 2. But I thought a lot of clubs would vote not to play. Um, I certainly thought it was going to be close, but they never materialised in the end. Um, Premier League have just been like an onslaught, really, determined to get it back on, and the Championship has followed followed their path. Um, and here we go. I mean, it's, men- it's mental. I, it is absolutely mental. And it really, really is back with a bang um, for Albion. I mean, when you think mm. that at 12.30 on Saturday, Fulham are taking on Brentford... When you think that game is taking place before Albion's match, it is absolutely mental um, to think that when Albion kick off, they could be just three points clear um, in the automatic promotion places if Fulham win that game. 
Um, obviously, really, really tough game against Brentford, but Fulham come through it, and suddenly everyone's a little bit more anxious, aren't they? We've had this time where we've been sat here thinking, oh, Albion are six points clear, um, some real nice cushion. They're so sort of confident in the team that we've seen all season. But I tell you what, if that game kicks off and Albion are just three points clear, um, a third place, I think everyone's going to be a little bit anxious. Um, so I just think, Everyone's buzzing to our back, aren't they? We're buzzing to our back. But when Saturday comes, it's going to be, everyone's going to wake up sort of like, oh, like, wow, like, here we go. And it's going to be a full range of emotions just as soon as, as, soon as that Fulham game gets underway at 12.30. It's going, to be, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be absolutely mental. I think I'm going to make a pledge with myself. I mean, I'm doing it this evening. Those, those listening probably won't, will have been listening to this after this, but I'm going to be watching both the games tonight. Pretty much every game that I can see uh, live on TV I'll be watching I think I've, I've missed it that much you going to go yeah I mean I'd love to be in the same position I, I'm going to watch as much as I possibly can um, obviously it's a little bit diff- different for me because I've got little ones but they can, they can watch as well yeah they can't mate they can't they won't be having that I'm afraid um, my little girl will not be uh, uh, sitting down for Villa unfortunately but I will hopefully see that game I think my wife will look after them but yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna. I think everyone's just gonna immerse themselves in it as much as they possibly can, haven't they? It's it's, it's what we're about, aren't it? Isn't it? As a nation, we love football. We it's a national sport. We no one loves anything like they love the football club, really. So I think everyone's just gonna be hooked. Um, for, I think it's thirty-three days in total. Uh, the championship, at least, is going to be played out. I think everyone's gonna be hooked from the first first minute to the last. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, let's let's get into it then, mate. Let's let's talk Albion. I mean. A big game to come back to Blues, of course, and we're going to do a preview at the end of it. But how ready do you think Albion are now to get back into full match action? Because it's so hard to tell how teams are, are going to shape up. I mean, even even looking at games this evening and in the Premier League, we just don't know how teams are going to come back. Are players going to be match fit? Are they going to be sharp? Have some players lost fitness? Have some players managed to maintain fitness? How are Albion shaping up in that respect, do you think? I think I think the answer is it's impossible to know, isn't it? I think um, we don't know how anyone really is going to um, respond to this. It's been footballers, every footballer in this country has now played, not played for a longer period than they've ever known before, um, mm. essentially. So, and they're going to walk out into a completely different atmosphere. It's going to be very, 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 very strange. And um, what you would what you would say is based on what we know about Albion and what we know about the people in charge at Albion is you you would be, I am, and I think everyone would be very, very, very confident um, that they've got it right and they've got Albion's players as well prepared as they possibly can be. Um, I think it's an absolutely huge plus that Bilic has been an international manager. Mm. Um, we, we, I mean, I've done this story a couple of times um, over the past three months, but I'm talking about how Essentially, when he was with Croatia, he had that time where he players his 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 players had that break from club football, they had a couple of weeks off, and then he got them together, and he, he basically had three weeks um, to get them in peak shape. And he said all along he only needs three weeks to get his players in peak fitness. If we're being honest, we all kind of thought the championship would be back next week. Mm-hmm. We all thought June 27 was a more likely date. The Premier League has always been kind of a week ahead of the Championship when it came to testing, when it came to entering these different phases of training. Um, so I think the fact 
It definitely caught some teams on the hop. QPR very, very vocal about it, Mark Warburton. I think the fact that Bilic has that experience, can draw on that experience, I, I, only, I only think that can be a positive um, for Albion. And then you just look at the team, the fitness, the fitness team they've got there, Nick Davis, the, the sort of head of performance there, vastly, vastly experienced, um, worked very closely with Bilic. And I think, I think between them, they'll have... Every, they'll tick every box, they'll have every base covered and I think, I think Alpine's players will be in perfect condition, I really, really do um, when, when the season starts. We don't know if they're going to be um, we'll see, the proof will be in the pudding essentially, won't it, but I, I wouldn't, I genuinely, I'm not just saying it because I, I, I know them and I cover Albion, but I wouldn't want anyone else other than Slaven Bilic and Nick Davis as well in this situation, I think Albion couldn't, couldn't be in better hands, I genuinely genuinely believe that. Yeah, I mean it's, it, we did have a question about this. I had to see one of the questions come up saying, would would this style of football suit Slavin Bilic down to the ground? Because obviously he does have that international experience. And you look across the Championship, there aren't that many other people who have had that kind of experience in, in managing in tournament football. And we've seen managers around the country kind of refer to this like running as, as, to, as tournament football. And it is really, isn't it? I mean, and you do, you do think, like you just said, it does put... Bilic in a great position because he's already, you know, a top top manager, and we've seen him change games with substitutions, and you now we've obviously got extra ones to use, and it's it's it is interesting how it kind of does fall into his hands. Do you see it as 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 proper tournament football, Joe? Because I mean, when I mean, we all love a World Cup and we all love a European Championships with the with the group stages and the knockouts, obviously. But does it feel like tournament football to you? Is that how you describe it? Um, if, to me it feels like a nine game mini season um, where everyone's basically starting from scratch but the odd team like Albion have got a big sort of points, uh, points advantage I think in terms of Bilic's experience I think where it will come to pl- where it will come to the fore really is, is sort of injury prevention mm. I think he'll have seen while an international manager the demands these games playing in such quick succession, the demands it has on the players. I think he'll be able to spot when he feels a player might just need to be withdrawn, and whether that's in a game or rested as a substitute, if you like, or whether even just left out the starting lineup completely. I think that would be a big boost. Um, it's hard. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me how you feel. I I'm, I'm looking at the table as far. To be honest, the tournament analogy, whatever it is, I'm going to be looking at the table all the way through. I'm going to look at the table after the Fulham-Brentford game on Saturday. I'm going to know what mm. it is, but I'm still going, to look, still going to look at it. I'm going to look at the table as soon as the game finishes on Saturday. I'm going to look at, at the table after Leeds play Cardiff on Sunday um, because it's the table that's, that matters at the end of the day. And it's all just about getting above that line, isn't it? Which Albion are very nicely above at the minute. Um, just a race. It's a race for me. It's a race to get. It's a race to the finish. It's a race to to get promotion um, and I'm very 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 confident they're going to do it and I'm and yeah I'm, very, I'm really excited that they will yeah I'm definitely confident as well uh, it's it's weird one for me because I almost see it kind of like tournament football but in the fact that like yeah you're only as really as good as your last game and I know it's like a bit, a bit of a cliche but the position you're in, like at the end, at any point this season, we could see a spike in coronavirus infection, something like that, and you can see the season curtailed in a matter of days. I mean, it's, it was 
I mean, how quick was it suspended? You just can't remember that. And if you're if you drop out of that top two for even a game or a day or or whatever it might be, you're you're really vulnerable to that, which I think adds another kind of layer of of complexity to it because, I mean, you can. You can have a blip at this point in the season and be like, we'll recover, we can recover. But there's no guarantee of that time to recover now. Um, it can quite easily turn against you. So it's, it's important, I think, now for teams to really get off the mark. And I mean, for Albion, they're in a fortunate position. I think for teams in that mid-table playoff battle, it's even more important because there are teams where if you lose your first two, suddenly you're facing a real uphill battle to get anywhere near it. You think you've got to start quickly. And uh, that's what's going to catch teams off guard, I think. Yeah, yeah. The truth, yeah, you're absolutely right. But what what we are in is the business end of the season, aren't we? Like that's that was mm. that's always the case when you've got nine games left to play. Every game really, really does matter. Um, and like you say, like if say if Swansea were to lose the first two games, they'd probably have to kiss goodbye to the playoffs or whatever. It's an interesting one for Albion in a sense that. There is a real chance that all nine games won't be played. Um, because if there is a second spike, then it will be curtailed. And the, and the Championship, EFL, have decided that already. They've decided that if it is, it'll be on points per game at that point in time, which is really interesting because there was a school of thought that you could go back to now. Mm. Um um, but no, but every game will count essentially. Every, all these matches will will count towards the table. So if it was, if there was a spike and it does get suspended again, say four games in, the, the season will end on forty one games or whatever. And if West Brom are out of the top two, then they would be, they would they'd be in the playoffs. Um, so there's that there's that there's, there is that added element on Albion. There is a, a, I'd say there's a slightly a bit more pressure um, on them going into every game but how I would counteract that is that pressure was always on them if, mm. you, if you they Leeds and Albion have been the top two teams virtually since like the first ball was kicked if Albion lose the next three if Albion had lost the, if, if the season had carried on and Albion hadn't won any of their next three and they'd fallen out of the playoffs there would have been the pressure on them would have been absolutely immense Mm. So it's still going. So it's still immense now. I mean, it, it is different knowing that you're going into every game thinking, "Wow, this potentially could be the last game." Um, especially if we like in the build-up to these games, every single week we're seeing things increase, like the R rate and stuff, and we're seeing more people contracting coronavirus. So, if that was to happen, there would be pressure on their shoulders. Um, but the truth is, there is immense pressure to win promotion to the Premier League. Doesn't matter who you play for. Um, you've got to deal with it. Um, and, the, and I believe they're more than good enough to deal with it. I don't think it's a slightly different pressure they're under, but the pressure was already immense. Um, so therefore, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think Albion's players may feel a bit... I think they'd feel more pressure if Fulham got a bit closer to them. But I, I, I don't think it'll be... I'm rambling on a little bit here, but... I think they'll cope, I really do. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And fitness-wise, Joe, I'm assuming, bar uh, Nathan Ferguson, that Albion are pretty much fit and firing. Is that right to say? 
that's how we understand it. So we're the pre-match press conference is tomorrow, Thursday. Um, we're speaking to Billich um, and Jake Livermore via Zoom. Um, oh, I love a bit of Zoom. Are you going to set a virtual background? Do you know about Zoom, Joe? Well, yeah, we've been doing it. We've had a few. We've had a few Zoom chats with over the course of um, this. Yeah, the, over the course of lockdown and stuff. We did one with Billich, with Livermore, and bits and bobs, but. I don't know how to set a background, I've got to be honest. Um, Steve Madeley from The Athletic does. He did the Zoom chat with Billich and he had uh, like some sort of exotic background, um, which was very, very funny. Um, but no, I don't, I don't know how to do it. But yeah, so we'll, we'll speak to him tomorrow. Um, so tomorrow sort of afternoon, it's tomorrow afternoon, it's around 2.30ish. So tomorrow, sort of early evening, maybe tomorrow, four or five o'clock-ish, uh, people can expect stories coming out just with a bit of team news. Um, saying who's fit, um, who isn't fit. We expect fit. your patented 10.30pm tweet. That's transfer window, mate. Oh. That's when I save, I save that for January and um, whatever the window will be this year. Everyone's gutted about that. I can sense, I can. I, I think I can hear a collective groan around the black country now that you just said that. People don't want to wait till 10.30 for a bit of team news. True. Um, everyone's fit and firing. Um but yeah, hopefully we'll have that information out tomorrow. Um, as we're here and everyone's fine, um, but Billich will will confirm that tomorrow. Mm. Uh, and Joe, you tell me you've um, you've been working hard on some talking points that Slav and Billich is going to have to deal with going into the game this weekend. Do you want to fill the listeners in on those? Well, yeah, just we. Um, so yeah, I mean, look. It, Billich has got a lot of decisions to make, hasn't he? Uh, heading into this mm. game of the weekend. I looked at five, I think, um, it's in tomorrow's paper, but I think they're the big talking points heading into the game um, at the weekend. The big one for me um, is what formation he plays. Now, he's, he has said himself in lockdown, um, he thinks the 4 3 3 they switched to um, for that game at Millwall. Um, essentially used for the last couple of months of the campaign so to such great effect. I mean, they were absolutely sensational in that system. He said he has said that he thinks it makes the team more defensively solid um, whilst not taking anything away from their attacking threat. And mm. in the first four months of the campaign, they were brilliant in that 4-2-3-1 system. Um, they were so attacking and, and beautiful to watch. Um, but it did feel sort of around December time they got sussed out a little bit. It did feel like a change was needed. Bilic went to 4-3-3. Kravinovic obviously came in, shone in the middle of the park alongside Romain Sawyers and Jake Livermore. Really grew in stature with every passing week, really, um, his influence on the team. So, look, you would expect... With what Bilic has said about 4-3-3, you would expect that... He'll go with it again. He'll stick with that system. It, mm-hmm. He'll try and keep that defensive solidity, if you like. However, a four-two-three-one with a three of the, Callum Robinson on the left, Mateus Pereira as a 10, and Grady Dean on the right. I know Grady Dean has played on the left for Albion since he joined on loan, but he did play on the right at times for West Ham. He's just mm-hmm. as comfortable on the right as he is on the left. So, I mean, Robinson, Pereira, Dean Garner, to me, that is ridiculous. I mean, it's disgusting the fact that you've still got what the likes of Grisitsky and, and Phillips on the bench too. Yeah, and what I would say 
It is, I completely agree, and, and, and obviously that can, they come into the mix as well. From what we've seen on social media, it looks like Grzycki has really sort of bedded in during this time. He looks a real threat. And look, we know his assist record in the championship is phenomenal. He's a very, 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 very good um, championship player. To, to me, Robinson, Dean Garner and Pereira are all Premier League players. Um, yeah. So to have that, and to have those three, it must be tempting for Bilic. It must be um, to revert to a 4-2-3-1 and have all those three in. Um, if he did that, it's highly, unlike, highly likely Kravinovic would miss out, which I think would be a, a, like a, not a tragedy, but a real shame. It's harsh, isn't a it? A real shame, yeah. Um, it's really harsh. Um, I do expect him to go 4-3-3 and I'd probably expect him to go Pereira on the right and Robinson on the left and just continue where they were. You could certainly change it in game though, especially, you know, with five subs available. I mean, it's not if things aren't working in the four two three one or the four three three, you can always switch it around, can't you? That, I suppose that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's just I don't know, I mean I'm sure people listening will feel the same as me in the sense that you just, I just can't help but feel that if Robinson, Dean Garner and Pereira are all playing together in that 4-2-3-1, they'll just blow teams away. Yeah, um, no, I mean, you wouldn't want to see that as a, as a centre-back, would you? Um, especially with someone like Hal Robson-Karno up top, who is essentially... Look, he's, he's scored 10 goals this season. His, his goal return's been excellent. He's been, but is, he is brilliant at bringing those players into play. Yeah, um, that is his strength. Getting the ball, linking, holding it up, linking, and bringing the, and getting those players into dangerous positions. I mean, it's very. It, it, it sounds very, very exciting. Of course, the most important thing is the balance of the team, the structure of the team, and the end result. It's not. There's no point scoring three if you're going to concede four. Mm. Um, but I just don't think Albion would. Um, so I think, like I keep saying, I, I expect him to go four three three. But he must be tempted. There must be part of him that's tempted to throw those three players in together, put Pereira back in the 10 roll, um, and just basically tell him to go enjoy themselves because mm. they would be an absolute joy to watch. I tell you, I would not want to be in that Birmingham City back line if, if that is the start. If that's, if that's your front four, so you've got Hal Robson Carnu linking up with Pereira at, at the 10. Dean Garner on one side and Robinson on the left, and I tell you what, that's a fluid, that's a fluid three as well. You could see them interchanging and and just giving giving defenders nightmares, couldn't you? Well, that's the thing with it, isn't it? They are beautifully intelligent footballers, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and good good players love playing with good players. I mean, Pereira and Robinson. I mean, my favourite goal of the season is that goal Pereira scored against Cardiff. We talk about it a lot, where he played that little one-two with Dean Garner, and I mean, look, Dean Garner and Pereira were beautiful, weren't they? Combined, they combined so wonderfully well in that first four months of the campaign, and then Robinson came in and just settled like like straight away, and he was combining with everyone, combining with Pereira. Those two were sort of coming inside and making it a real narrow four-three-three. Alvin were playing, but they were drifting inside and linking play, and he's such a good footballer, Callum Robinson. Um, I just love how direct he is. I think that's what I love. I think sometimes with Dean Garner and Pereira, you can see 
you can almost see the cogs whirring. They want to they wanna kind of pick apart a defence, whereas Robinson sometimes, he gets the ball and he's like, you know what, I'm either driving goalward or I'm taking a pot shot. And people, just, it's just so direct that teams don't always see it coming. Yeah, it causes havoc, doesn't it? That's what Bilic says. He, he wants those shots, that gets, he wants players who are going to get those shots away. So, I mean, I really hope we see it in the next nine games. I really hope that those three do start um, at some stage. Um, just out of intrigue more than anything. Um, but yeah, maybe it'll be Saturday, but I'm not sure. I think I think, I think it will be Krivinovic in a midfield three. Yeah. That kind of covers your second point, I guess, because you were going to talk about the Garner or Robinson, but it kind of covers that, doesn't it? Well, it just comes down to if he, if he is, as expected, he goes 4 3 3, who is he going to pick, Dean Garner or Robinson? Um, mm. And it is that. It was mentioned in the last podcast, I think. Someone, someone made the point that Dean Garner is a lot more... He's very, very good at cutting inside Dean Garner, but he's a lot more of a natural winger, if, if you like. He gets chalk on his boots. He hugs the, hugs the byline. He's very, very good at um, sort of getting right to the, to the byline and getting, pull it, dragging crosses back in. Mm-hmm. Um, Robinson is a different type of wide man. He does come inside more. He is more intricate. Um, he does go for goal more himself, but he kind of suited the system more, the four-three-three more, because he does drift inside. Um, so that's why I think maybe it'll be four-three-three with Robinson and Dean Garner will have to make do of a place on the bench. But then I say that, and I think Dean Garner was so good in the first four months of the season, and we visibly saw how much we missed him when he was injured. Mm. And you think, now he's back, how can you leave him out? But, I mean, it's, he's an amazing sub to have. It, it, he's a ridiculous sub to have. Um, so, I don't know, I don't know. But if I, if I had to bet, I'd say 4 3 3, Robinson on the left, Pereira on the right. In theory, could you not run a 4 3 3, but have Pereira play the role that Kravinovic does? You could. You could, yeah. Um, but, but I really, really don't think Kravinovic deserves to be left out mm. and I think Karinovic is a much more natural central midfielder than Pereira is you there? fair I lost you then mate no no it's fine, it's fine. I just muted my microphone I needed to clear my throat oh right sorry for I'm very quiet um, yeah yeah I think and I like uh, the word's not combative because Pereira really puts himself about um, but I think Kravinovic is a little bit underrated how good he is defensively. Mm. Um, he can win the ball, Kravinovic. He's decent, he's decent in the tackle. Um, so I think he's a good... I think, and also, I think he spent a lot of his career playing in central midfield um, in Portugal. Whereas he sort yeah. of arrived as a number 10, but I think he is, he's got quite a lot of experience playing there. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think he's... Yeah. I don't... I don't think you want to shoot. I don't think you really want to be moving Pereira into the middle of the park, really. As in, like mm. a central midfield. Obviously, you could move him to be a number ten. Um, yeah. But I think Kravinovic would be better suited to be in that more sort of box-to-box midfielder. Mm. What about the back then? Because there was a couple of decisions there, isn't there? Because you know you've looked at Carl Bartley and, and Semi Ajayi, and I think I think Ajayi is pretty much nailed on as you as you as your first name in that in that back four. Um, but Bartley, we've seen his form go up and down. 
Hagazi is there and he's proven himself in the Premier League, although he hasn't he hasn't been terrific this season, it's fair to say. And then, of course, on the left flank, you've got a, a, essentially what is arguably the left, the best left-back in the division in Kieran Gibbs, who's just really struggled with injury, but is now, we hope, fingers crossed, fit and ready. So I think they're the two big, other big decisions he's going to have, Bilic's going to have to make in terms of, first, Agazi or Bartley. Look, Shemi Ajayi will play. Um, mm. If he's fit, he'll play. Um, he'll play because he's got blistering pace um, and because Albion play over high line, um, high defensive line. So it's much more beneficial to them to have Ajayi there. Um, he's, he's integral to this system, really. Agazi and Bartley, for me, there is nothing between them. Um, very, very little between them. I've only been covering Albion this season, so Bartley has impressed me more than Agazi. Mm. Um, if I'm honest, I think Bart for me Bartley's the better player. Obviously, Agazi's got more history. He, like for you say, he proved himself in the Premier League. Um, probably got more well. He's more well known, you'd say, than Bartley. I didn't see a lot of those Premier League games, so. Bartley's always been above him in, in my pecking order. Um, but they're both very good sort of no-nonsense championship centre-backs, aren't they? Mm. Um, who's going to get the nod? Whoever doesn't get the nod is going to be really, really, really unfortunate. Um, there's, I don't know why. I've said this before on the podcast. There's, there's, I just feel there's a bit of an inkling. I'm not 100% sure Agassi's going to be at the club next season. I'm not, I've got absolutely no knowledge why. They just, it just feels like at his age and maybe because he hasn't been a first choice this season that maybe it might be sort of a natural time natural part in other ways and he doesn't strike you as a player who's kind of happy in this position at the moment does he um, I think he would expect to be playing every week yeah um, and obviously he had to make do of a place on the bench for a long time because Bartley did so well so I don't know I don't know I'm not I'm not I'm not from one there's absolutely I can honestly say I'm not saying that with any sort of background knowledge um, but I wonder if if they but I've spoken to other people in the media and stuff who feel who just feel the same it just feels like maybe maybe there might be a part in other ways and if that is the case then you wonder if that will come into Billich's thinking mm. and maybe go Bartley who will be at Albion next season um, I don't know, I don't know, but to be honest, there's not a great deal between them, is there? They're both, if, um, I expect that, if Carl Bartley plays every game, I expect Albion to go on and win promotion to the Premier League. If Agazi mm. plays every game, I expect Albion to go on and win promotion to the Premier League. I, I really don't think, I think they're both very, very, very good um, and more than good enough to get this job done. They're both like, for me, there's, there's subtle differences between the two and I, I can see where you're coming from. They're both very... They're in the same mould of player as in that, that big centre-back wins headers. For me, particularly this season, I think Bartley's been a bit more composed and seems to be a bit better on the ball than Hagazi, who at times seems to lack that little bit of skill on the ball. But equally, I think Hagazi's got a little bit of more of a commanding presence. Uh, I think it's just the type of player he is, maybe a little bit stronger, especially in the air, although Bartley's a brilliant header of the ball too. I think Agazi maybe just edges him on that one. And got, I mean, it's, it, you could you could maybe go horses for courses. I mean, in in this kind of short mini-season that you're going to get, 
you're not going to be able to play people left, right, and center, and you know you're going to have to, you know, make chop and change at times. And I think having that option there, where you do maybe you know switch them around, or uh, if 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 God forbid, say a joy does does struggle as well with injury or something like that, then you've always got that option to bring him on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. That the composure word is is the right one for me. I, I Bartley is a lot more composed. Um, that, from what I've seen, Bartley's been more composed than Agassi. That might be down to the fact that Agassi's missed such a large chunk of the season. Obviously, didn't have a pre-season, started it injured, um, mm. and then had to spend an awful lot of time on the bench before he got his chance. So maybe that's got something to do with that, I don't know. But to me, Bartley's definitely the more composed of the two. Um, yeah, I think he's been... I think he's had a, He had a bit of a wobble, didn't he, form-wise, in February. Yeah. Um, but I think overall he's been absolutely excellent this season. What about left back then? I mean, Gibbs or Townsend? How do you how do you how do you split that one? Well, I think it's the I think it's massive testament to Connor Townsend that we're even having a debate. Yeah. Um, massive testament to him. Um, he was like Gibbs, as you said, he's arguably the best left back in the league. Um, I can't think of another left back in the league who's played for England, um, having come from Arsenal and. We can all see how technically gifted he is. He is he's another beautiful footballer, isn't he? He's a very, very good footballer, yeah. Kieran Gibbs. Um, <clears throat> sort of when he has come back from injury, when he has been fit, he has tended to jump straight back in. Um, Bilic is a big, big admirer of him. I think it's a really tough call um, because I think Townsend has grown in stature week by week by week. He's had his... Doubt, he's a doubters to overcome. I think we've said before, I think that sort of naturally happens when you sign from a club like Scunthorpe. Um, when you come from lower leagues, I think you've got more of a point to prove. And I, I do genuinely believe he got better and better um, with each passing week. I think he looked really, really, really assured defensively. His left foot is outstanding. Um, mm. we, did a, we did a Zoom press conference earlier in the season, well, a couple of, weeks, couple of months ago with Jake Livermore. And Steve Maidley from the Athletic did a piece with Livermore, but basically build your perfect player. And we, we had to say the best header of the ball, the best left foot, right foot. And I think it was Townsend was very, very close to getting. Livermore wanted to put Townsend as the left foot. He was very, 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 very close to giving it to Townsend. I think in the end, well, he when went. You got Chris Brunt in the squad. <laughs> well, he, went, he went for Modric in the end, I think. Oh, fair, fair. Um, if, if you're talking worldwide, yeah. But what I can tell you is, Livermore had a right debate about it, whether to go Townsend or Modric. He was really... At, I think it was Modric he went for. If it wasn't, it was someone ridiculous, like Bale or something. It might have been Bale. I can't remember. It was someone like that. But Livermore really debated it. He really, really debated it. Mm. Um, and that just goes to ch- show you how highly thought of Connor Townsend is in that squad. Um, very, very highly thought of. I think it'd be harsh to leave him out. I really, really do. Um, but then I do think Kieran Gibbs is a quality player, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was left out. But I think that's a real tough one. Again, um, I genuinely don't know how he's going to go, Bilic, on Saturday. Mm. And, it, and, and even if he keeps things the same as he has done, that, that, that's still a big call um, because there's so many options available to him now he, it's it's a fantastic squad he's got at his disposal it's a it's a it's a good headache to have to coin a, a much used phrase isn't it yeah yeah definitely 
and the last talking point of course you had was was up top wasn't it I mean in terms of striking options how Robson Carnu seems to be the the one who's probably stood out most this season but I mean against Blues you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised to see Charlie Austin come on and, and tear him apart again would you uh, this is the last one yeah I mean I, I, I do this is the one I was a bit more concrete on. I, I do I, to be honest I expect how Robson Carney to start um, but Charlie Austin the clips we've seen on social media we just know he's a goal scorer don't we we know he's a goal scorer yeah. um, and we know that he had that fantastic game against Blues last time. You would not back against. You never. You just never back against him not to score, would you? If Charlie Austin starts mm. a game in the championship, you think you'd fancy Charlie Austin for your first goal scorer bet every single time. Um, the, 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 the twist is Callum Robinson again, isn't it? Um, could you go four three three? Robinson up front, Dean Garner on the left, Pereira on the right, and then suddenly you've got those three players on the pitch. Mm. Um, again. I don't think it'll happen, but again, it's incredibly exciting, and it, it's something that must have crossed Bilic's mind just because it is so exciting. Um, and in all of this, you've got Kenneth Sahor, who yeah. cost a fair chunk of money um, in the summer and is a very, very good, decent championship striker, and really probably fourth choice for a team that plays one up front um, every week, which is not really where you want to be. Um, so, yeah, brilliant options, brilliant options. So we reckon Hal Robson Carney, but wouldn't it wouldn't be a surprise to see him go with something else at all, would it? Well, I think I don't know. Would be surprising to see him change it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's very hard to know. It's just it, it, this week in particular. It's just very very hard to know where everything stands. Does Bilic have seen these players in training for the last three or four weeks? Um, we haven't seen them at all for three months. We don't know what their form is. We don't know how much he believes they need to sort of just pick up where they left off and in the systems that they're used to. I mean, they beat Blues essentially playing a three-five-two. That was the change they made in that game. I think the only time this season. Um, so we'll have a much better idea next week mm. um, for the team moving forward, but. As it stands, it is. You'd expect things to stay pretty similar, but you couldn't be sure. You can't be sure. Certainly can't. Shall we get on to uh, questions? Cause we got. Um, I mean, as you'd expect, we got a bunch. Yes, let's go for it. First one comes from Leo Watkins, um, and that's actually the question we kind of covered. Does do you think Billich's international experience could play a role in considering he's been in these last nine games as a mini World Cup? We've kind of covered that one already. Um, Ronnie asks, uh, "Can Luke sing the new Villa anthem one line on the shirt, please, to confirm his true yeah, allegiance?" I won't be singing on the podcast. No one deserves uh, the pain of hearing me sing. It's, one it's, line it's on gonna, the shirt. One line. It's not going to happen. Tragic. Um, Tom Cannon, presuming this will be covered in a future article, but any word on fitness of the squad? Have there been any injuries that have been picked up in training? Joe, no, not that we've heard of, but we'll find out in the. In the pre-match press, I'd imagine, yeah? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Although that, that question can be answered tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, GWBA, do you think we'll see, at any point, Bilic make five subs in one go? A qu- is it a quintuple? Oh, I don't know. Is that what a it's quintuple called? quintuple substitution? Um, I'll tell you what, that's a, it's very much pre-season football, isn't that? 
it's very much international friendly football, isn't it? When they do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It feels weird. A quintuple uh, sub. What we know from the Bundesliga is there's been a couple of managers that have been very, very vocal um, in saying how they believe the five subs has massively prevented injury. It seems mm. to be like when the Bundesliga first came back, there was quite a spike of injuries, sort of muscle injuries. That yeah. has like quite considerably tailed off. Um, so I don't know whether because that's what they've they've learned as they've gone along and they've made these more substitutions to make to prevent these injuries from happening. It'll be interesting to see whether we can just start from the base point where we've learned everything we need to know from the Bundesliga, or if we have to go through that same period at the start of mm. picking up these little niggles. But, before we realise when they're going to happen, but I don't know. I kind of vote. I, I kind of vote that after eighty minutes, I'll be in a four 0 up on Saturday, and then or seventy five minutes, I'll be in a four 0 up, and then Bilic brings on five players. This is the thing. Like uh, GWBA followed up, followed up by saying after seventy minutes of dealing with Dean Garner, HRK, Robinson, Pereira, and O'Shea, he would love to see how an opposition would react to seeing Grzycki. Austin, Phillips, Kravinovich and Furlong all coming on. Yeah. I mean, fresh legs. But them kind of fresh legs. I mean, you're especially thinking the left back, aren't you? Like, if you're that left back and for 75 minutes Ugh. you've had to deal with, like, Mateus Pereira and then, yeah, Albion make a double change and bring on Matt Phillips and Darnell Furlong. Oh, you're devastated. Oh, you're gutted, aren't you're you? Absolutely devastated. Absolutely. Well, you'd be Watching looking over at your bench saying... just bomb past Phillips on the overlap. You'd be absolutely gutted. I mean, you'd be looking at the bench, wouldn't you? You'd be like, "Boss, put <laughs> me off, mate." <laughs> that's know. when. That's when you. That's when you. That's when you. You tweak a hammy, isn't it? You're like, oh, I'm feeling my hamstring. Boss, sub me off. I mean, the point does stand, and we've we speak. It's the same point we're making really time and time again, but. This squad does look capable of blowing teams away with the sheer options it's got. And the five subs can only help. Mm. Can only help Albion. Players like Darnell Furlong, for example, fullback, maybe you wouldn't change maybe you wouldn't change your fullback. Especially for when you've got Dar Roche there, who you know is gonna give you a solid seven out of ten performance probably. You've not got a like you've not got a really it's no it's, there's no risk there. But when you, if you're in, if you've got that fourth or that fifth change, and you think maybe we'll throw on Furlong for O'Shea if we if we need a goal or just uh, if if their sort of winger, their danger man, starting to look a bit a bit tired, a bit leggy, he won't want to be in any races with Furlong. So mm. it's fascinating. The first subs thing is fascinating, um, and it's definitely definitely going to change. The outcome of games. I haven't many. I don't know how many games. I'm not. I haven't done the maths really. How many games are being played? Nine. Uh, Thirty-seven. No, no. How many games? Like how many championship matches will be played from now until the end? Oh God knows. Um, but it'd be like hundreds, won't it? So the the five subs thing will definitely change results. Definitely. Yeah, certainly will. 
Um, Hamza Darby asked Gibbs or Townsend. We've covered that one. Chris WBA, what were the conditions for Luke changing his Twitter profile picture to an Albion one again? Uh, it's funny because um, before we were talking about we were talking about lockdown and the whole lockdown thing happened. I've been preparing uh, the best of the uh, Albion podcast season, and I, I came across this, um, and it was Albion need to win the title, and however many points clear is the day a day that I would have my Twitter picture changed. And at the moment, it's a dream scenario for me because Albion are, are, are getting promotion. I'm covering them doing that with you. Uh, but they're not winning the title right now. They're a point behind Leeds. That's the dream for me now. I think in terms should, of that bet. I think we should change it so if they go up, by how what? many points clear of third they are. No, 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 no. Go on, Luke. Because uh, what was the deal for you? I mean, I'm I'm the one putting my neck out here. Yeah, but you're, that's because you're the one that's constantly in denial. No, no, no. There's no denial here. Um, we need to tweak it so that I'll, I'll agree to that as long as we tweak it with something with you. Alright, that's fine. You think something, mate. I've already thought of it. Oh, go on then. However many points clear of relegation Villa are... Oh, right. I'll take the bet. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Villa will be alright. Yeah, yeah. You'll be You've got mate. to have a picture of Jack class. Grealish as your profile picture. Oh, he doesn't seem, you don't sound convinced. You're worried you are, you're worried. Watch Villa go and beat Sheffield United tonight. You, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be on the phone straight away to me. Luke, can we turn this around? So, will we, will we do it at the same time? Well, if both of them happen, then yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what, it doesn't have to be a picture of Jack Grealish. Because that could be somewhat unprofessional for a sports journalist. To have a footballer. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll do it this way. There's got to be a picture of you in a Villa shirt and me in an Albion shirt. Well, we've already got pictures of you in an Albion shirt, so that's not hard. Yeah, but I've got a Villa shirt on underneath. Yeah, but no one needs to know that. Um... Everyone needs to know that. All right. You can do that. I've, I'll lend you a Villa shirt. I've got plenty. Albion will win promotion by more points than Villa survive by. So there will be days where it's just you. There might be. And if Villa go down, then you just have to do it yourself, don't you? Yeah, but if if what if if Albion finish in the playoffs and win the playoffs, <laughs> I don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. It won't happen, that won't. Um, yeah, there we go. Villa, all right, I'll wear a Villa shirt. Bet's on. That's on. And I tell you what, I'll even follow through if we do end up doing this charity game dependent on coronavirus and this and that. Oh God, I thought that was even a thing. Oh, that's a thing. It's going to happen. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll wear an Albion shirt for that. And you wear a Villa shirt for it. Look at how desperate you are to get an Albion shirt on again. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm living up to the, uh, to the, the pipe dream that you have about me being an Albion fan. I'm not. Well, I'm not desperate to get back in a Villa shirt, mate. You can just. But if you want to wear, if you're comfortable, get back yeah. into a Villa shirt. Well, if have I've you got worn one before, if I've got to wear one for this Twitter picture. Oh. What am I talking about? You got Tyrone Mings at centre half. You can see two goals every game. Tyrone Mings is a is a leading leading candidate for England, mate. Don't you worry. Yeah, of course he is. 
Next question, Matt WBA. What's your favourite cheese? Um, I've got a shocking response to this. I don't like cheese. Ah, this is weird. My brother-in-law doesn't like cheese either. He doesn't have pizzas. I'll have a pizza, but it's got to have a lot of toppings on to mask the taste of the cheese. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine life without pizza. No, like, don't get me wrong. I love a pizza, but it's just got to be like a meat feast or something. I couldn't have a free cheese pizza. Ugh. Delicious. No, 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 no. Do you have a favourite? Uh, I'm not. I don't really. I'm sorry for the person who's asked the question, but my cheese, cheeses are not really something I like. Not, Are you not so a connoisseur. Well. No, 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 no. Mate, all I have is a cheese. When I have a cheese sandwich, I have cheddar, mate. That's it. Cheddar, cheddar. I've heard is a solid cheese. In fact, I would say, like, I am. It, you'd be amazed at the, the cheeses I haven't tried. Like, I've never tried cheese that's got like that blue stuff going through the middle of it. Oh really? What's that called? I don't know. Is it blue cheese? No, I don't think it is blue cheese. Is it? I mean, it looks like is it a Swiss. Is Swiss? it gorgonzola? Mozzarella? Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese. You know, it's got yeah, like one with the holes in it. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, that's yeah, no. You know, like, hang on, che cheese with blue lines. <laughs> Googling cheese is dreadful. Oh, it's called blue cheese. Oh, I told you. Um, yeah, I've never tried it. Never at that in my life. Have you? But have you? Have you? Have you at it? No. I thought that was quite a common cheese. To have it tried. seems like a common one, yeah. Like people mention that one quite early on. If you were to ask them to list cheeses, I've never tried goat's cheese. No. Have you not either? No, no, no. I've I've only tried a couple of cheeses. Didn't like any of them, and they all kind of taste like they've got the same kind of base taste. I mean, some of them are meant to be like more strong than others, aren't they? I hate the smell of it as well. Ugh. Um. Yeah, no, so yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, apologies, but you don't like cheese, and my my cheese pretty much extends to mozzarella and cheddar. Wrong people's who ask that question. <laughs> uh, Dave Neal says, will there be crowd noise for home games? It definitely improves the viewing experience of Bundesliga games. Ronnie actually replied to that one saying, I think it's done by the broadcasters, not the club. Do we know? Do we know about that, Joe, or is that something we've got to find out? I, got, I think it's something we've got to find out. I have spoken to Albion about sort of the atmosphere on Saturday. Um, there's a few things they are planning. So um, they're trying to make the whole day as normal as possible for the players. Mm. So like, I think like the liquidator is going to be like, there's, there's chance basically. They've recorded chance. So like the liquidator is one of them. I'm sure like Slavon Bilic, he hates the villa, he's from Croatia. That'll be one. Yeah. Um, another one so I think they're gonna like feed them in to the ground to like mm -hmm. so the players hear them and stuff and I think they'll probably still run out to insomnia by faithless I know that fans are doing videos that are going to be played on the big screen and um, while the players are warming up so like good luck messages basically it's just try and give them a little bit of a boost um, just mm -hmm. to say like they might not, fans are not in the stadium but they are they are there do you know what I mean they are watching the game they are Everyone's going to be at home, like on their laptops, or for the Sky Games, they're going to be around their TVs watching these matches. So, um, just just a reminder, really, to the players that they have they have got that support still. It is still there. So, there's lots of things they're planning in terms of crowd actual noise. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't think that is something I'll be going to plan in. If it's something the broadcasters will do, it'll be something that's done. That's kind of just done 
over the top of the feed as opposed to the music being played there. Yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting though. I do think I do think it'll make a difference watching it on TV, um, having like crowd noise pumped in. But mm. I guess we'll see, won't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, James, oh no, sorry, all things Albion. Looking at Fulham's fixtures and our far superior goal difference, how many points do you realistically think it will take to get promotion? Um, I'm going to go 85. Um, I think so. I think anything that kind of range. When you look at the fact that West Brom have still got to play Fulham, and Fulham have tough games as well. I mean, so I think- Fulham's, Fulham's run... They've got Brentford at home, Leeds away, QPR and Birmingham, Nottingham Forest. Uh, they've got Cardiff, then obviously Albion, and then they do have Wednesday and Wigan after that. But I tell you what, them first two games are make and break for Fulham, I think, in terms of you know a genuine automatic promotion hope. Yeah, I think when you look at Albion's fixtures, they are intriguing in a sense that They've also got Fulham and Brentford to play. Massive games. Absolutely massive games. But I think I'm right in saying that outside of those two, they don't play anyone else. I think the next highest team they play is Blackburn. Yeah. In 10th. It's, it's hard to say because, I mean, I, I actually wrote an Albion story helping Joe out, helping you out, didn't I, mate? Oh, you're good, um, you? Predicting the running. And... Like I only predicted one defeat, and that was to Brentford. I mean, and you look at some of the other fixtures. I mean, Blues you should be beating Blues. I know it's a derby, but you should be beating Blues. Sheffield Wednesday, I think you should be beating Hull City. I mean, if you're going to pick any team to face in this run, and I think Hull City should be top of the list. Yeah, I think I mean, they're more well any of the bottom four really. And then For on top of that, reasons. Derby could be a tricky one. But, I mean, Huddersfield and QPR, I mean, QPR have got it easy, which can cause, you know, all sorts of problems on his day. But, I mean, other than that, those teams aren't, it's not the toughest running in the world, put it that way. Yeah, it shouldn't be, should it? And you'd, you'd imagine those games will get slightly easier the longer it goes on, just in the sense that, some teams won't be playing for anything. Yeah, teams won't be playing for like you can't Derby I've got an I mean Derby have got a chance of the playoffs still. Yeah. And they've got Wayne Rooney, don't forget that. And they've got Wayne Rooney, good point, yeah. Um But when we sort of get to the forty forty one game mark, you know you've really got to have a hell of a run if you're sat in that tenth, eleventh, twelfth spot to have any chance of getting in the playoffs. That's when Belief will start. You're hoping for other teams to slip up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when belief dwindles, I think. Um, so the more, the later you play those mid-table sides, the better, really. Um, yeah. So I think the favourite. I think you couldn't really ask for a better fixture list, really, um, than the one Albion have got um, for these nine games. Mm. I think 85 point. Look. The, Nine games left. You're not going to win every game. Simple as that. No team is going to win all nine games. You're going to have a couple of wins. You're going to have a couple of draws. You might have the odd defeat. Um, I think if you win half of your game, well, more than half of your game, so if you win five of the nine, you'll go up. Mm. And that gets Albion to 85 points. I'll pick up the odd draw here and there. Um, 
I think 85 will do it. I think Fulham will yeah. do very, very well to get 85 points. That, oh, yeah. That's, 20, I mean, that's 21 points from... From nine games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're asking a lot there, 21 you? points from, yeah, possible 27. It's, an, it's a big, big ask. But West Brom should be able to win five and nine. Yeah, definitely. Um, James Duffy, would you give a long-term deal to Bilic if we go up? Um, for me, that'd be a little bit of a, a no-brainer. I mean, in terms of long-term, depends how long you're talking. Because at this point, managers, I mean, you've seen some contracts handed out to managers and they're ludicrously long, wrong, long, sorry. And it, at the end of the day, there are very few managers that hang around for, for long, long tenures now. But you'd certainly reward him with some sort of new deal. Yeah, that is a really interesting question. And I think if I were, it's a a weird, I don't know how to answer it. And I only don't know how to answer it because it's Billich, which sounds really strange. But, I mean, for starters, the bloke is an an absolute legend of a person. I mean, he genuinely is as nice as it gets. I've said Dean Smith before, but Mm. those two blokes are just unreal to deal with. Never ever thought in a million years be able to deal with someone like Bilic. He's just such a good person. Um, and he fits Albion so well. Um, and if he takes them up, I'm sure he'll get a new deal. Um, Long term, I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because of Bilic himself and things he said about West Ham. And he talks about football management. When he talks about it, he's all, he always says this to us. He says it doesn't take a lot for it to go wrong. Mm. He said everything, everything in football snowballs. When you just start going, things just start slightly going forward. Yeah, they build, they build, they build, they build, and you can have success. And when things just start to slightly go against you, they build and they build and they build and they build. And it can be very, very hard to stop it. And I really, really think with Bilic, people don't realise what a fantastic job he did at West Ham. Mm. It was an absolutely incredible job. First season, highest ever Premier League points total. So no, no manager has ever got more Premier League points of West Ham than Slaven Bilic. Second season, they finished ninth in the Premier League, having moved to the London Stadium, which was a hell of a move. We all know the issues with London Stadium that have arisen since. We all know, really... We, me and you don't think it's a stadium for football. I mean, you're, you're bloody miles away. You're miles away. I could have watched the game better from my bedroom. You like, you walk through that shopping centre to get there. It is so bizarre. And so, I said before, I've never, never went to Upton Park, but I've got absolutely no doubt the match day experience is completely different. Mm. Um, I think Matt Wilson said it on, when he was on the podcast, he said he knows someone who's a West Ham fan or something, and... It used to be that when before the game, they used to go to this pub at Upton Park to have before the game. And now they're going to like the, the fancy coffee shop that's on, on that route through all the cafes to the Millennium, to the London State. It's just so different. This is all you need to know about it, Joe. Do you remember we were sat there and I pointed out something to you? There was a fanny in a bag of popcorn. Yeah, I remember, yeah. That is weird. And I remember, I, I, I always talk about this, being in the lift with you and hearing the crowd noise and turning to you and I was like, mate, it is buzzing here. 
and I didn't realise it was crowd noise. And then we walked out, and there was no fans there. Yeah, it was dead. And it was completely dead. And I was completely like, what has just happened? Like, weird. Yeah. Weird place. So to go and finish ninth. So first season, highest of a Premier League points total. Second season, ninth place with the move to London stage. And that's a remarkable job. Third season, he gets sacked with them in the relegation zone. But Bilic says it was probably the time for him to go. Mm. Like he holds his hands up and says it was probably, that was probably his time there had run its course. Um, which I find absolutely fascinating that he says that. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't know if I really understand it really. Like a, but, so I don't know, like a, I definitely like want them to give him, he, got, he signed a two-year deal, didn't he? I'd really want them to give him another two-year deal, mm. which would obviously include the year he had. Um, but I think you've just got to go with it, really, with football. You've just got to go, it'll all be natural. I don't think you need to tie anyone down to a five-year deal, a six-year deal, or a four-year deal, or anything like that, because... I think those deals nowadays, they don't really work for anyone, do they? Don't, I don't think they do. I don't think they do work for anyone. But I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd absolutely love it if Slavon Bilic was Albion manager for the next five years, six years. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. I think it could only be good for him and only only be good for Albion if he was there that long because I think it would be a sign that everything was going in a really, really good direction. And I think he's obviously more than good enough to um, progress every year, like to to make sure Albion do progress every year. Yeah. All right, a couple more because we are pushing time. Um, Sunil Patel, how will the virus affect pre-match preparations for the both of you what will be different? Will you have to eat your pre-match meals two metres apart? How many off-the-field people will be present in the ground? Will you have to wear face masks at any point? So it's very different for me and for you, um, mainly in the fact that I'm actually not allowed to go. Um, they've, they've, they've either caught on that I'm a Villa fan or um, they're, they're sticking by the guidelines. It's only one person per um, publication, isn't it, Joe? That's right, yeah. And for some reason, they pick you over me. What's that about? What is that about? Um, so, yeah, you'll be at home watching on a stream. Yep. Uh, we've got plans for that as well, which should be interested. Um, and for me, it's very, very different. Um, just had it confirmed, really, the last sort of 24, 48 hours, um, how it's going to be. I have read the guidelines, but they were quite long, and some of it did go over my head. But essentially, I've got... A time I have to arrive by, first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, someone's just turned up on my drive in a car I don't recognise. No. Um, okay, might have to pause this in a minute, mate. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm going to look at this great podcast material, isn't it? I'm going to go and look out I mean, and who's rocking up at my house. This is brilliant. I think there's a thunderstorm coming by me as well. Um, hang on. Yep, doorbell run. Do you want to pause it, mate? Sorry. No, no, no. We'll we'll keep going. We'll keep going. All right, we'll stay there. Hang on. I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) My money's on. My money's on Slavon Bilic and Chris Brunt. It is a nice car. One sec. I mean, this is amazing. This is top 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 notch broadcasting stuff. This is podcasting experience. I wonder who is at Joe Massey's door. Who's there? Who's there? I do wonder. It could be his head editor. Could be the head editor. Could be, could be group sports editor Russell Yule. Could be Nathan Judah. 
paying him a visit. I mean, it sounds banterful. He's coming back, he's coming back. Who was it? Chris Brunt, Ricking Harper, Sam Johnston, maybe? <laughs> what are you doing? Going through people who it might be? Just so yeah, yeah, that's exactly just what I was doing. Editing. So my, my guess is involved Simon Bilic, Chris Brunt, Russell Yule, Nathan Judah, Rakeem Harper, or Sam Johnston. Yeah, it was Rakeem Harper. Oh, of course it was. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was bizarre. It was um, uh, one of my little, my little girls got like friends who were like born the same time within a couple of days of when she was. And it was okay. one of their mums dropping off something for my little boy to go in his car. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was that person who was who was coming and knocking on your door. What was it, like a three-year-old driving a car? <laughs> no, but my little girl, for her birthday, did get a car. One of those electric she... cars. You can actually oh, drive it. Oh, my kid. God, it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But anyway, where you left off, Joe, I mean... What, what, what are the differences? You've got to arrive by a certain time, have you, at the Hawthorne? Oh, right, yeah. So I've got to arrive at a certain time. Um, uh, yeah. Um, which is about around two o'clock, which worries me slightly, because that's when the team news comes out. Mm. Uh, so ideally, I want to be in... If, if it is still can come out at two o'clock, I don't know. Um, temperature's going to be taken before I go in. Um, obviously, if my temperature's high, then I won't be allowed in. Is that when I get the phone call, is it? That's when you'll get the phone call. Um, that'll be... I'm a bit worried about that. Um, I'm going to, like, drive to the ground in, like, a T-shirt, windows, windows open, yeah, and just make sure I arrive cold. Um, but, yeah, so get there at my designated time, which is a lot later than I'd rather be there. I mean, we just try and get there between 1 and one thirty, don't we, normally? Mm. Um have my temperature taken. I think it's going to be, we're going to be searched. Um, we've, got, we've got to put on a mask. We, we, we're supposed to take masks with us, but if we don't take one, we're going to be issued with one. Um, then we are going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going into a different entrance, but then the ground has been set up into zones. I think I'm, I'm going to be in what's called an amber zone. Now, you're not allowed in the red zone at all unless you have been tested for coronavirus and you've been given the all clear. Mm. So I cannot go into the red zone um, at all because I'm not being tested. So someone is essentially going to marshal me to my seat um, so that in the press box. Obviously, the press box is going to be completely socially distanced. Mm-hmm. I then have to stay in that seat. There'll be no food or drink. Uh, no, no, they're not, 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 not going to provide anything, but they are going to provide a bottle of water, actually. Um, That's the big blow. That is no food. Um, it's for you. I'll be fine. Um, then I have to stay in my seat for the duration of the time I'm there, um, with the exception if I want to go to the toilet, and then I have to let a steward know that I want to go to the toilet. Uh, oh dear. It's like when you're in an exam. Yeah. Raise my hand. Um, and then, so obviously, then the game will take place, um, mm-hmm. and Bizarrely, then what happens is I, I remain in my seat. I'm gonna get an, we're going to get an email um, with a Zoom link. Um, we're going to click that link, and we're essentially going to wait for Slaven Bilic to appear. 
Um, okay. That Zoom, that, That's interesting. That Zoom link's going to be sent within 15 minutes of the game finishing, but it takes a lot longer for Bilic to come out than that. And also, written press are the last people he speaks to. He'll do oh. he'll do TV first, then radio, um, and then written press. So we will just sit there. We will just sit there on an empty Zoom call, literally waiting for Bilic to arrive. Then we will, he will arrive, we'll speak to him. Then when he goes, a player will arrive and we'll speak to him. And then, then we have, I think we have 60 minutes from that point from which we're able to write a story, um, which would basically be Billich's immediate reaction to the game. Um, and that'll be that then we have to leave the ground and we'll be marshaled out again the exact way we came in. Mm. Never going anywhere near that red zone. Oh yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be having you anywhere near that, mate. Which is like the tunnel, obviously, and stuff. Yeah. So it is going to be completely different. Uh, completely, completely different. Meanwhile, I'll be at home doing all my work from home. You'll be at home, yeah. I've, I've spoken with Albion fans already. I've, I've prepared... People sending videos to me, to, so the post-match videos will still be going on. Uh, we, I don't think we'll be doing a two-shot. I think what we'll have to probably do is, is do the, the way we've been doing them over over recent weeks, Joe. Yeah, yeah, just do it like that. And even then, it won't be on the day of the game. It'll probably be in the week discussing it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, Dan Nash, uh, do you foresee any unlikely hero with a point to prove having an impact on Albion's remaining games? Someone who didn't see much game time previously, for example, Zahor, Hagazi, Harper, or maybe someone else. I've always highlighted that Chris Brunt could have a say, especially given it would basically be the perfect plot line. Um, yeah, yeah. Um... Chris, yeah, we, we hope that's going to be the case, don't we? We'll hope that Chris Brunt has some sort of magical moment to bid farewell. I've, I've read a lot about football during this coronavirus pandemic, and I read a really good piece. I think it was on The Athletic, actually. I'm plugging The Athletic a lot on this podcast. But um, about, they call them in football Monday to Friday players. Do you know what a Monday to Friday player is? I don't. So a Monday to Friday player is a player who is... Oh, well, I know. Is it someone who just turns up in training and yeah. the game doesn't... And apparently they're a lot more common than people realise. They're essentially world beaters in training, but they don't do it on a match. and on a, they're, not, mm. they're not as good on a match day. Now, I don't know if, if Albion have got any players like that. Um, but from what I've been reading, there's a lot of managers that are thinking those players are coming to the fore now without a crowd. Mm. Um, and I can't remember which manager said it, but he's basically said there are players he w- he will pick now that he wouldn't have picked if there was a crowd there. Um, yeah. So I don't know if there's anyone like that, Albion, who just feels the pressure um, of playing in front of a lar- large crowd or not. Um, and he might just come out of nowhere. Um, but interesting. Um, I find it very, very interesting. Certainly is. But Certainly is. I think the, uh, I think I think because Albion's exceptional players are so exceptional, I expect them to fully grab the headlines um, mm-hmm. over the next nine games. 
Right, we're going to finish up with a Blues preview. We've had so many questions. Sorry I can go around to every single one of them, but we're already at well over an hour. Um, blues, Joe, obviously it's a hotly anticipated return. Um, and you'd imagine it would have been a very hot atmosphere had there been fans in the ground, but it's going to be a strange one. A, a derby game with no derby atmosphere. Um, but it's been a strange lockdown for the Blues, hasn't it? It's, it, it it does strike you very much as as you know blues are kind of planning for next season already aren't they yeah very much so um very like it's like it's difficult because we're not i don't know a lot about blues to be honest um in terms of sort of their season and how they how they deem it to have gone but the fact that they've told pep or pep clotet has been he will leave the club at the end of the season um very very sort of bizarre setup there we know i mean it's been going on for years now, hasn't the turmoil off the pitch there? Mm. Um, all sorts of comings and goings, issues of owners, Gary Monk surprisingly leaving. Um, Shock. A very sort of public spat, really, with his friend, a long-term friend, Pep Clotet, after he left and Clotet taken over there. Um, so this is the game, isn't it, where you just don't know, you really don't, we really don't know what we're heading into on Saturday. Um Clotet leaving, does that have an impact? I think it might. Um, I think that works in Albion's favour, you know. I think it works in Albion's favour. I think there'll be players... Every manager has his favourites. Every manager has players who he sticks he sticks with and they know that the players themselves know that they're, they're sort of one of the manager's favourites and they're going to play each week. And if you're one of those players and you know the manager's leaving, I think that will, will, will impact you. I think that maybe affect your motivational levels. It's already not got a crowd, and that that would be the derby element would be the biggest factor for me in this game. If it was a normal game, if it, if it was a, a, like a bouncing Hawthorns, you would say, wouldn't you, that with a derby anything can happen? Form goes out the window, blah 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 blah. But mm. I do think you, I think you lose that element um, without fans being in the ground. Um, st- still, anything can happen because we haven't got a clue how both teams are going to adapt, but. I think Clotet leaving is not going to... I don't think it's going to help Blues in any way, shape or form. I, don't, I think the fact there's no crowd there isn't going to help them. They haven't got a massive amount to play for. Um, they're not safe, but they will be safe, won't they? I mean, they're not going to go down. I mean, they need a whole, like, you know, drop in form to, to, to be a threat of that, you'd imagine. Um, so I think, I think it's a very good game for Albion 12 back. I think the fact that it is a derby gives them a little bit more motivation. I think the mm. fact that they're in a t- title race gives them more motivation. I think the fact if they win the game, they'll go top of the league. I think that gives them motivation. I think they'll look at the Fulham game before it. That'll go one or two ways, but we'll see how that impacts them. But I thoroughly expect them to win the game. Look, Blues have got some good players. They've got some good, good players. Every team in the Championship has got some good players. Jude Bellingham, wow! I mean, what well, he's a wonder kid, really. I mean, he'll be playing. He'll be playing for a big club next season. Well, it looks like he could be off to Dortmund. Um, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. What he's going to be? He's going to be a massive threat. Lukas Jukovic, brilliant, brilliant player in the championship. Brilliant striker at this level. Knows where the goal is. Yeah. Um, Thirteen goals this season. Really good, really good forward at this level. Scott Hogan. Seven goals in eight games since going to Blues. 
Um, great record, absolutely great record since going there. So good, 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 good players. Um, but Albion, in my opinion, should have too much for them. Um, What's your match prediction? I am going to say Albion 3, Blues 0. You read my running prediction, didn't you? No, I didn't. I was debating 3-1, but I, 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 think, I think Albion will... If Albion go one, two goals up, I think their heads will drop and I think they'll go on and get a third and with little, won't really be troubled, but... I think it all goes in Albion's favour. Everything everything from top to bottom in this fixture. I think the fact that you've got Clotet leaving, you've got players who have been told that their contracts won't be renewed even though the season's running on, or, or bit, admittedly bit part players, but even still... I think the fact that it, there's no fans there really does help Albion despite it being at home. I think Blues often, at home and away, tend to get a lift from their fans because they're, they're a rowdy bunch and they do they do kind of live off that underdog spirit a little bit. I think not having them there helps Albion. And I think that it being at the Hawthorns obviously helps Albion despite there being no fans, that they know their surroundings, they know the pitch, they know where they're coming, where they're going. They'll have been guided through. I think. Uh, I think what's often understated is you, these red, amber, green zones, whatever they are. Players will have been guided through them, but not opposition players. They'll get there and they'll be like, "Okay, where are we go in. Oh, uh, we might be able to use this changing room." Um, I know Villa, for example, they're using an executive box as an away dressing room. Just it's just little things that might make you a bit uncomfortable as an opposition player. And I think it all works in Albion's fans for this one. Um, so I, I predicted 3-0 as well, Joe. Fingers crossed we're right, and then we've not got massive egg on our faces when we come to do this next week. Announce 4-0 Blues win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, that just about does us one hour, 17 minutes in. Um, Joe, as ever, a delight having you on. Anyone listening, if you could provide uh, an iTunes review, uh, any comments, questions next time, we'd really appreciate those. Uh, but we will see you after the return of football and hopefully we'll be discussing three points for the baggies sorry for the interruption (laughs) it's been a pleasure